Welcome to the Homeland Heroes Salute, a podcast dedicated to sharing stories to heal and honor our heroes. We are your hosts, Bill Taub and Dave Tilly. Hi, this is uh, Dave Tilly with my co-host, Phil Taub, and we're very honored and, and excited to have a special guest with us here today, a Army an Army Reserve veteran who many of you uh, know very well in New England and may not know of his military service. We're here today with uh, Red Sox legend and Army Reserve's veteran, Rico Petroselli. Thank you so much, Rico, for joining us here today on our Homeland Hero Salutes podcast. Well, happy to be here, David. Uh, tell you, um, I love the veterans. Uh, yeah, I go way back. Uh, I was in... Uh, Actually, Jim Lomborg and I, we were in Seattle where the Red Sox had a team and we got a draft notice and the Red Sox says, uh, let's see if we can get you in a reserve unit. And they did. And we were supposed to go to uh, down in San Diego at the camp there. And they had a meningitis uh, problem. And so they shipped us to Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. And uh, that was very interesting because I never saw so many trees and no houses and apartments in my life. <laughs> Holy jeez. It was in the middle, in between St. Louis and Kansas City. And so I said, wow, uh, you know, this is, uh, although the, the when we were up in the uh, in Seattle, it's just beautiful there. Plenty of uh plenty of mountains and, and trees and water. So, but this was a little different. And um, I tell you, I learned a lot. I, I am, I'm so glad I went in and uh, went to boot camp and then, you know, then, then, then went to uh, my MOS and, uh, and then uh, in, in the reserves in Boston and uh, just a great, really a great, great, uh, you know, I wanted to go, no. uh, I wanted to go um, uh, with the parachutes there. <laughs> paratroopers? A paratroopers, yeah. I wanted to go. And the sergeant, Sergeant Cox, great guy, he says, uh, he goes, I think it was from the south or midwest. He says, Petrocelli, you want you want to dive out of airplanes? You're a ball player, aren't you? I said, yeah, yeah, Sarge. Uh, he says, after a while, you won't have knees left. You won't have, your knees will be shot. That's not a good idea to go into. I said, okay, I'm going to listen to you. So, uh, you know, that was that. So so before you were in the service, though, when, when you were up, you were actually already lined up for the Red Sox. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So, so talk a little bit about kind of that, what that was like when, uh, you know, what you were doing before. And then and then when you were, you know, finding out, gee, I'm, I may be uh, maybe in the army. Yeah. Well, you know, I was in the minor lease for three years. Uh, first year in North Carolina, then in Pennsylvania and then Seattle. Of course, Seattle now is a major league city. But at that time, uh <clears throat> It was in the Pacific Coast League, and the teams, you know, so far from Boston, but the teams took any city they could, you know, because they were all looking for cities close to their their major league teams. So 
Red Sox didn't luck out and and had to go to Seattle. Uh, the fortunate thing for me is I met my wife there. So of 57 years. Wow. And, and uh, yeah. Through, through, through your military, uh, or, or through uh, not your military, but through your, uh, through your travels. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, we were there for the baseball season and uh, I met her, we dated and uh, we got engaged. I went in the army and came back Christmas and to Seattle and we got engaged. And then, when uh, I got out of the army, March, I think it was at that time, March 5th and spring training was March 6th. We got married on March 6th. So we got married and then we flew to Arizona where the Red Sox were training. So, uh, but in Seattle, now we get a letter, Lomborg and I, and it says, you know, a report to your, uh, to the board. And, uh, I guess we had to get physicals and all that. And we had, we gave it to the Red Sox. We told them about it and they took the letters and all that. Next thing you said, guys, you're going to go into the reserves. So at that time too, uh, Vietnam was just starting to heat up. Uh, and actually the whole camp was, uh, was on alert. Mm. We thought we were going to go and then they called it off. So, but it, what a, it was a great experience. Oh, that's something. And, and so, um, let's see. So what, what year was that around? Well, it was 1964 way back when. Yeah. Well, Dave, I wanted to ask about what boot sure. camp was like. I mean, I'm assuming they put oh, you yeah. in boot camp and how did that compare to what you were doing? You were obviously very athletic, uh, playing yeah. baseball, but how'd that compare? Well, I was 160 pounds, too, in great shape. So, and Jim Lomborg was always in shape, 6'6", six, six, you know, about 185 pounds. And uh, we were both uh, both in good shape. But I did not know that we were going to do 10 miles a day marching, you know, in, in, uh, in boot camp. Oh, my goodness. I mean, you talk about the first couple of times. Oh, it was, we're both, I mean, well, the whole, the, the whole group was just exhausted. And the next day, here we go again. Uh, but it, you know, after a while you got used to it and you got in better shape than you were in. And uh, it was really, uh, it was really good, uh, you know, for that experience. Yeah. And then, and how the other soldiers treat you guys? I mean, they must've known that you were aspiring ball players. They treat you any different? No, they were very good. Uh, no problem at all. We had uh, uh, <clears throat> my bunk. I, I was down uh, on the lower bunk, uh, and I had a kid who was 17 years old, and he was from the, I guess, the Ozarks, so up in the mountains, and uh, really, uh, you know, one of, the, one of these families that married their cousins and all that stuff. The poor kid, he was, he was really sad. And this is at first it was funny, but then Sergeant Cox got really mad. So this kid, when we practiced marching and he, he said, march to the rear, right? Everybody would turn and this kid would keep going straight. So it was like a dominoes effect. All the guys fell down and the Sergeant, Sergeant Cox was turning, Cox was turning red. What are you doing? <laughs> Gomer pile. <laughs> so we had some laughs with that, but we got, we got the kid straightened out. <laughs> yeah, that's very nice. No, no, very nice. And then, 
So, so how did baseball feel to you after, after that stint in the army? Uh, well, you know, I had gotten married and uh, made the team in uh, 65 and <clears throat> went to Boston and, you know, it was a dream come true. I mean, wow. Uh, yeah. It was something I wanted uh, since I was five years old when I first uh, grew up in New York and went to Ebbets Field and Yankee Stadium. And I, I was in awe and I said, that's that's what I want to do. And uh, it was really a dream, dream come true. No, that, that's awesome. It's awesome that you were able to live your dream. Yeah. You know, through that. We we have met, you know, a number of veterans who had the opposite happen to them. You know, they were aspiring baseball players. Yeah. And something happened along the way and they just couldn't make it to the majors and felt like they had failed. And so they went into the military where they were very successful, but mostly because they didn't want to be a, a quote failure again, you know, feel like they failed again. And that's what, yeah. that's what drove them. And then a lot of them have sort of found their way in different ways back in and around baseball, whether it's coaching or speaking and, you know, things like that, it never sort of leaves you right. Once you have baseball in your blood, you that's have it true. In your blood. Right. Yeah. Well, a uh, former teammate of mine, uh, well, friend and uh, Bill Campbell, his name is, he was a relief pitcher, outstanding, came over to Boston for about three or four years. Bill, Bill was in Vietnam in action, in heavy action. Wow. And we all tried to get him to talk about it. He would not talk. No way he did talk about it. It was so such a tough you know, memory. He saw it all. And uh, wow, I said, you, you know, what a hero. <laughs> I mean, this yeah. guy is uh, was great, but he wouldn't he wouldn't talk about it. And I, I can't blame him. Yeah, it's very interesting, you know, and, and so, you know, a lot of veterans who served in Vietnam are obviously now in their late 70s, right, getting into their 80s. And, yeah. you know, I tell you what I've seen at, on the swim of the mission side is, a lot of these veterans have lived, you know, successful, productive, I'm not sure happy, but, you know, good lives. But now as they've gotten older, it's it's all surfaced again, mm. right? Those memories of when oh. they were 19, 20, 21 yeah. years old and what they saw, those memories are now really, you know, um, weighing on them. You know, it's, yes. it's fascinating. At the end of their lives, they're really now having to deal with it when they you know, what didn't before, didn't talk about it. You mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh man. I, I mean, really it's uh, just psychologically and just the stress that they must be going through. And it was Vietnam war. That's what really got me kind of angry and started to do some things. <clears throat> when the guys came back from Vietnam, when the war was over, they, they were treated like dirt. I couldn't believe it. In fact, uh, it was, I was I, I saw firsthand uh, one of the uh, veterans come home and he had some, he had a hat on or something and somebody almost spit out spit at him and, and got all over him. That war was uh, I, I got so mad. I can't tell you. And I had a temper, <laughs> but I was so I says I cannot believe it. And then. It was not only that incident, but they were, you know, on TV and all that. And people were just didn't give them the credit and and uh, and the job that they did in Vietnam. And wow. So I said, you got to be kidding me. These guys 
are really truly heroes. I mean, you go into into war and you have bullets coming at you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is not a game. And I always say that, uh, you know, when they talk about fans, talk about the, the guys uh, in, in sports being heroes. You know, oh, he was, oh, he played with a sore wrist. Boy, isn't he, what a man he is. You know, what tough, boy, he's tough. And uh, I said, what? I said, please give me a rest. You know what I mean? I said, look at these men and women in action. And even if they weren't just the idea that they, you know, they, they were there and could have been, you know, could have been bombed. And, and uh, it just didn't make sense to me. And it wasn't a popular war, but why would you blame our, our men and women in, you know, in the armed forces? Uh, you know, instead of hearing that, uh, instead of saying that and honoring them like they, they, you know, they should be. So, uh, yeah, that got me started. So I, you know, started looking into, uh, into different organizations and, uh, did some appearances and uh, I spoke at a number of, uh, visited, uh, uh, vet hospitals and all that. And, uh, really it was, boy, that was, uh, was tremendous. Okay. And, uh, God bless you. I mean, the, um, the, the times that you, you saw it, um, you know, up, up close personally being when this was all happening, but also it touched your own life when you got pulled into the reserves and you yeah. got to see, see personally, uh, you know, on a different level, what, uh, what our service members did to uh, to prepare and sacrifice. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, we talked to some of the <clears throat> some of the sergeants at that time who were uh, and and uh, well, yeah, a number of sergeants and uh, enlisted men uh, about their times in uh, in Korea. You know, and that was incredible. Uh, my brother, my oldest brother was in, uh, second world war. He's passed away since. And, uh, he told us about, they, at one time they were in a, a house and he said the next room, there were Germans, which you could hear them. He said, mm. you could hear them. And, you know, they, they shot him up. I mean, what's man alive. That's how close to you are losing your life. <laughs> wow. Unbelievable. So, yeah, I, I, I can't say enough for our, our veterans. I, I just, um, boy, uh, you know, I wasn't in combat, but I can imagine. But it's just the way, especially also, I should say, the way they were treated mm -hmm. at that time. Right. It's gotten a little better, but still not enough happening. Yeah, no, no, agree. And, and over the course of your playing career, and then as a commentator, did you see a shift? I mean, did it happen while you were still playing? Because now you, you know, especially yeah. baseball teams and football teams, you know, pretty good about honoring our veterans. Yeah, uh, actually, when I was playing, it wasn't uh, was still there was still problems. Uh, they really yeah. hadn't accepted, uh, you know, our veterans the way they should have. Of course, in recent years, all the teams. Like the Red Sox at a particular inning of the game, they'll call out a veteran that's there uh, and uh, have him go up on the dugout uh, roof 
the Red Sox roof and wave to everybody. And I'll tell you, they get a standing ovation. It was, it's fabulous. I said, this is what it should be <laughs> for not right. just them that are, you know, the public's eye, but the guys who also served, let's never forget them. Yes. Agree. Man. Agree. You know, and I, you know, you, you probably have to meet these gold star families, these poor gold star moms, you know, just, oh, yeah. just you know, lost their sons and daughters who made the ultimate sacrifice. You know, that is a hard thing to live with and to reconcile and you never get over that. Never. No, absolutely not. You, you know, a parent losing their son uh, yeah. in, in the war and they got to be on pins and needles every day. You know, to, to, I mean, let's face it. And then when you lose a son or daughter, it, it just takes something out of you. And you've seen the parents of those who have, have lost a son or daughter in uh, in one of the wars. Uh, it just changes their lives. You could see that just the sadness. And it's so, so sad. Um, yeah. yeah, so, is, right? Yeah. It's interesting, you know, Vietnam, you know, really um, had a major effect on our country in so many different ways and, and left, you know, a large impression. Um, but in the grand scheme of things, it was only a, a short period of time, you know, but now we just had the longest war, this war on terror, you know, more than 20 years, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Longest war in the history of our country. And you know, we, we, we interview a lot of folks. We talked to a lot of veterans, you know, why did you join? A lot of them joined after 9-11. Yes, yes. Right? Yeah. And a lot of them who fought in the war on terror, you know, um, not they were little kids when 9-11 happened. Or some of them who are serving now, right, were born yeah. after 9-11. And, right. and the reality is we've created now, I say created, like another entire generation of soldiers who have the visible wounds of war, but the invisible wounds as well, right? The yeah. PTS and the PTSD and traumatic brain injuries. And I look at this like, you know, Vietnam was one thing, right? And we had that long Cold War era where we, we didn't have as many casualties. And then we have this long war and terror. And here we are, we created another entire generation that we, you know, are responsible for. We need to yeah. look after them, right? Oh, absolutely. Uh, <clears throat> I spoke. Uh, we met actually Wayne Soares, who is involved with the with the vets uh, in Massachusetts. Uh, we went up to see uh, one of the generals up up in, in Chelsea, Massachusetts, where they have a rehab station, you know, uh, machines, weights and a right. number of veterans who came in. Um, wheelchairs had one leg or one arm and stuff like that, you know, and they were working out. So it's so important to have that organization to know to, so that they know that we have their back, that we care for them and that, you know, we'll do anything we can to help them out, them and their families. Uh, and this, what a eye opening. Wow. What a facility. It was really terrific. Uh, and they, that's the group that ran home base at Fenway park when they had yes. the veterans, you know, come through home yep. plate and that type of stuff. And, um, I'm not sure if they're still doing it, but <clears throat> we've met some of the guys there and, uh, just, it was an honor to meet them. You know, they were both baseball fans looking at me, you know, Oh, you know, you, my, you know, I heard the games and, but I said, you're my hero, pal, yeah. <laughs> what you did. 
<laughs> we'll give a plug. I mean, since you're a Red Sox, you know, we'll give a plug for the Red Sox, that home base that the Red Sox supports. That's a great partnership with MGH. And, and um, you know, I've had the pleasure of, of meeting General Hammond and the group that runs home base and yes. taking a tour. And I have recommended a whole bunch of veterans to go through their two week program with where I, I think they're best in class in terms of helping our veterans who are struggling with traumatic brain injuries. Yes. Yeah. You know, there's so little we understand today about traumatic brain injuries. Um, you know, the ordinance is so strong today. You don't have to be actually be hit with shrapnel, you know, to get a concussion, right? Our guys get so many concussions just in training, just in firing our own weapons, you know, yeah. at the enemy, you know, and that yeah. stuff adds up. And so, uh, you know, kudos to the Red Sox, you know, for that support. And uh, they're making a huge difference. I can tell you firsthand from veterans who've been through home base. So thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. yeah. Tom Warner of the Red Sox, uh, of the two uh, main owners there, he, he was the guy that, uh, they they went to him and uh, he he agreed to, you know, to support them and all that. So it is great. Uh, and yeah, there are but you know there are a lot of organizations that are are, are helping and trying to help and uh, there's different ways, of course. But the thing is, though, as you mentioned uh, before, I don't know if it was Phil, or you, David, uh, the families, the families who you know uh, they have to adjust to to uh the husbands or or sons right. or daughters you know in wheelchairs who have lost legs and arms and and there's some ads on TV where you even see you know, some of the some of the guys had a head injury and uh in the he needs help from his parents you know to get up to walk to the bathroom and it's just it's so sad you know i mean war is is terrible uh and uh, these people uh getting injured giving their giving up you know their lives if they had to and uh <clears throat> not coming back and getting the recognition and i'll tell you i well i could tell you how i feel not only a recognition this is just my opinion i, I always think i think the government should take care of them Totally. All right. That's that's how I feel with home, with housing, with, you know, everything really uh, just help them out uh, more than I think they're doing. That's all to me. It's never enough. I mean, these, these people yeah. should be treated yeah. like, uh, you know, really, uh, really treated great. Yeah, I know. And, you know. You, you know, this show is not about, you know, being critical of the government and all of that. But I got to tell you, you know, if they were doing their job, then we wouldn't need some of the mission. And, you know, Dave works for a really great organization that helps homelessness, yeah. homeless veterans. You know, we wouldn't need our organizations, frankly, if if the government was doing their job. So, you know, yeah, it's, 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 not, it's, it's not just now. I mean, it's, it goes back a long yeah. way. You guys probably know better than I. Uh, it, it always just anyway, <laughs> it's it's. Uh, of course, you know, I mean, a guy like myself, I feel that way. Maybe you guys feel that way, but uh, uh, maybe they're trying to do as much as they can. So right now, and uh, I hope they do do even more. Great, Rico. It's, for me, it's so awesome to hear your passion on this, too. I, I mean, from 
you you experiencing the time during uh, Vietnam and feeling for our veterans and then your own service. I mean, personally being um, uh, connected to the service yourself and, and then and then after and, and your passion and commitment, um, you know, when when back to kind of the time when you were in the service too. what what were some of your uh, highlights, most memorable moments? Um, you know, you know, think things that really. Uh, yeah. Well, well, <clears throat> as I mentioned, really Jim, touched you. Yeah, Jim Lomberger. We had a uh, uh, one of the leaders who was a uh, who was going through basic like us, and he was uh, going going to be going to Vietnam. In fact, he was going to officers' school in Vietnam, and was going to Vietnam. And real sharp guy, college graduate. You know, bright and uh, good looking guy, and all that. And uh, <laughs> so. You know, after we left and I tried to find out what happened to him and unfortunately he lost his life in Vietnam. And, uh, I, you know, it's just like I was in shock uh, getting to know guys. You're there, you know, for a length of time and you're, you're all in it together and you try to help each other out, make friends. A lot of times you make friends, you know, after after you're out. Uh and so, you know, that was that was really tough, tough on me because Jim Lomborg, too, made good friends with him. And, uh, yeah, we heard we lost him, man, alive. That was so sad. And, uh, you know, just the experience, the experience uh, of the of the march and the training we had to do. And uh, you see guys who struggled at first, maybe the first week. And then, you know, by the eighth week, you know, they were moving pretty good at lost weight and uh, were in much better shape. So right. they did get something out of it. I was fortunate. Jim and I were fortunate because we, you know, we were in decent shape. So uh, even though the 10 miles <laughs> was a shocker at first, and I got used to that too. So uh, I probably should have done it the rest of my career, but, uh, but no, it was, uh, it was a great experience. Uh, Sergeant guy, we met a number of the colonels. Oh, you know, what was real way. <laughs> it was really a, a shocker to me. Uh, I was born in Brooklyn, New York, right? Yep. Now the houses, they're attached. Then you got a driveway and they're attached. There's still millions of people, it seems like, yeah, in your neighborhood. So bivouac? What's bivouac? Oh, it's like camping. I said, camping? What do you mean? You got to go in a tent? I, he said, yeah. Wait a minute. I'm from Brooklyn. I didn't know. I didn't even know what a tent was. What do I got to do? Sleep overnight? Three, three nights we had, we had to sleep over on the ground. Me, me and Lonberg were in there. He must have gone camping with us. Well, I said, Jimmy. I mean, what do I do here? <laughs> we had nothing. And that was a shocker to me. But we got through it. You know, we got through it. And I says, I hope I don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> so uh, but, some, some memorable moments. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then, well, and then you were out and, and uh, you know, most most folks that we talk to and all that, we talk about their after service. You're after service. You're young and you're in the Red Sox and you and you got a young family then. Yeah, that's true. You got yeah. a very young young family. I, I mean, uh, for our audience there, I'm good friends with your son, Mike. I think we're we're born the same year. Uh, 
mm. you know, mid 1960s. And uh, so, so now you're you're back, uh, you know, you know, beginning that your your tops in the Red Sox. Well, yeah, of course, you know, I went back and uh, made the team. Jim Lomborg made the team. So the Red Sox are bringing up the young guys, starting to bring up the young guys that year. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, but the, the Vietnam War started to yeah. escalate. And with all the, all the uh, you know, the, the, the people out there to, who were protesting and, you know, uh, young people, and especially, of course, older people, too. Their sons didn't want their sons or daughters going into a war. But, uh, you know, there was a lot of a uh, lot of protesting and some of it was, uh, you know, really, really tough and physical, mm. too. So uh, so we you know, we knew what was going on, especially you guys that had gone in and uh, <clears throat> wondering what what we were doing. You know, we were. We were going in here to to win the war. Uh, you know, they've had they had pictures on the news of uh, of guys uh, in combat and, and then interviews and all this stuff like that. And it would seem like we were going on the offense at that time early on. And then later on, well, I don't know if it was a year or two. Then we it changed. You know, we weren't we were more of a, on the defense holding our ground. And I mean, you know, so what's going on? That's, that's when the real controversy started. You know, if we go in, we win the war, you know, we're a powerful nation and okay, it's over, you know, but uh, it, it's just stretched out over the years and just got people angrier and angrier. And uh, that was a tough time in the sixties. Yeah. Yeah. But then, and then you were, then transitioning back to um, family and professional sports. What, what was that like, your kind of uh, post-service time? I mean, amazing time in your life, in your career. Yeah. I'll tell you, from uh, from being uh, being in the Army, I, I, I became more outgoing, more aggressive. Really did. I mean, you know, that uh, you lose your shyness <laughs> when you're out there. I'll tell you that much. And another thing, the latrine, you know, if you did anything wrong, you got latrine duty. And we had 18 uh, toilets and no barriers in between. So you could imagine uh, going through that. And then you had to, if you either uh, uh, slicing potatoes or cleaning the latrines. Well, I'll take the potatoes, you know, we always got the latrines, though. And, uh, hey, you know, this really helped me to be you know, more aggressive, uh, more outgoing. Uh, and it really helped me in my career. It really did. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that, actually. I was going to ask you about mental toughness because you can't be a major league baseball player without some amount of mental toughness, right? Yeah. Of well, it's great. Especially, right. especially in the uh, city, it depended on the city too. Yeah, uh, you know the the press. Boston's always been known. New York, Chicago, um, have been known for being tough. You know, the expectations are high. The Red Sox fans are great fans, and they expect you know to build a team. They're going to come to the ballpark, pay. Uh, no, pay for tickets and they want to, you know, see a pretty good ball club. 
uh, and in which the this ownership has gone all out, I think, to uh, to bring that uh, you know four championships. So, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, the expectations are high, uh, and you you better go out there and hustle and break your break your bones <laughs> to go out there and and play hard. I think that's what they expect more than anything. They can right. put up with a slump. You know, they get frustrated. Yeah, you know, when I first came up, I went zero for 32 at bats. Zero for 32. Yeah, that's not great. No, in fact, uh, they had to escort me when I drove over the uh, uh, Throgs, no, one of the bridges in Boston because it was just so, <laughs> I, I was so, uh, you know, discouraged. And then it finally got it going. But, yeah, and that's what it does. You do need mental toughness. It's a long season. Yeah. But that's okay. But don't tell me I'm a hero. That's all. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's, hey, hey, this guy's got mental toughness uh, because it's sports. Let's put it in perspective. It's it is a game, and there's you know opportunities for athletes to make it to pro ball. They get in there, and yet their ownership and coaches want to see them play play hard. Okay, some guys will play a little hurt, but other guys won't. And when you start, you know, start saying, <laughs> yeah, oh, boy, what a hero this guy is. Look, he's playing. He's got a uh, his nail. I think his nail was cut uh, yesterday. He cut his nails and he's in deep pain, real deep pain. And he's out there playing. Look at him. What a guy, huh? Yeah, what a hero. Uh, come on. Our kids should our, our vets should be the heroes of our kids. Yeah. Instead of no, some of the after that's very including well said. me. I'm I'm serious. Yeah. I mean, you know, we we're all we were all he was a hero. My son was your hero. Yeah. But uh, I realized, wait a minute. Wait a minute. <clears throat> it was a hero. Yeah, I mean, you know. I can understand they liked the way I played, let's say, or Kari Shremsky or any of the great players. They they were terrific. And yeah, you know, kids kids come to the ballpark and they get to get to, get to want to meet them and all that stuff and all. That's fine. Uh, but uh, you know, let's face it, who the real heroes are. And I yeah, said it earlier. I said well it earlier. Said. Say it yeah. again. Our vets. Yeah. No, it's well said, and you lived that. You saw it. You know, I I don't think too many baseball players today in the major leagues, you know, did a stint in the military uh, before they went there, you oh. know, and it's a business, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I don't think any of the guys in recent years have, uh, you know, have gone in. Um, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't think. But, they, you know, they respect uh, when when the, uh, the veteran, you know, came up uh, – uh, on the dugout, and people were cheering from the players who were right there cheering for them. They 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 understand, you know, what they go, what the uh, what our vets go through, and and people are in the uh, in the uh, military now, uh, what they go through. So they understand that. Yeah. But it's uh, you know, <clears throat> like I say, keep it in perspective and uh, realize that even with a ninety-five or even a hundred mile an hour fastball, it's not the same as a. <laughs> a lead bullet coming at you. Yeah, oh, that, well, that, well, that's close to you. I don't know. I don't know if you were tracking in the in the last World Series uh, on the Atlanta Braves. They had a reliever on their pitching staff, Tyler Madzek, um, yeah. who had the yips at one point and was out of baseball. And he actually went to see a good friend of ours, a retired Navy SEAL, 
Jason Kuhn, and he lived with Jason, this retired Navy SEAL. Wow. And Jason basically put him through a boot camp. You know, after all the sports psychologists had given up on Tyler, he literally went back to the military, you know, to get the help he was looking for. And uh, he was reminded that the yips is not, this is at least according to our friend Jason, the Navy SEAL. It's not, it's not mental in his, in his, not mental weakness because Jason had had the yips himself and was kicked out of baseball and became a Navy SEAL. So he said, you, I, I must be mentally tough, right? I had the yips when I went through buds and he got Tyler turned around. And I think Tyler needed to understand that perspective you have, Right. Which yes. is exactly what you're saying. It's the military or the heroes. This is just a game, you know. Right. Absolutely. Uh, and for him, and that's that. That's really great. It's too bad <clears throat> our players now, you know, couldn't do the same thing. Uh, naturally, you can put them in boot camp, and then they come out, and I don't think you'll they'll complain too much or go into you know into combat and into service uh, uh, overseas. Uh, yeah, you wouldn't have. You wouldn't have as much complaining or maybe no complaining at all. But, you know, I'm not saying sports is bad. I mean, of course yeah. not. You know, we love we love the we love sports. We like our teams and all that. Uh, but I'm just saying, uh, you know, I've, I've heard enough of it. I've really yeah. heard enough of it uh, now. And I look back at my era and I now I realize the same thing. <laughs> we're heroes. We're heroes. No, the guys and women that were in. Vietnam fighting for our country uh, with their lives on the line. I said, it doesn't get any tougher than that. Forget, jeez. <laughs> uh, and so that's how I feel. I really feel that way about all our, all our military, you know, in, on all the wars that, uh, that they've been in, uh, you know, in uh, Iraq and all that and uh, Vietnam and uh, all the way back to the, to the uh, Second World War, which, uh, by the way, my the friend Wayne Source, who I talked to you about, he's interviewed some of World War II veterans, 99 years old. One had just hit 100, 96, 97. And he said they're great interview. What stuff they came, you know, they talked about was was just tremendous. And we thank God for them. And uh, and they, too, are heroes. Yeah. No, and I've done that as well, and, and David has too. And yep, recently interviewed someone who's in the Coast Guard in New Hampshire in World War II when they the our Coast Guard in New Hampshire captured a German sub, right? Sub, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. You know, they they captured them. It's a hell of a story to hear, but we'll do that another time. But yeah, David, go ahead. Well, no. oh, well, Rico, I, I want to pivot a bit now, and and. Uh, Thank you so much for your passion for our veterans, for our service members, for your service, and want to want to pivot in a moment to your, uh, you know, your after service, a little your uh, more on your Red Sox career and 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 uh, the great uh, work that you're doing for the community today. But first, I wanted to give a a quick shout out to uh, some of the folks that are. Uh, supporting our program uh wanted to uh thank our supporters granite state insurance uh rock solid insurance protection for business and and service credit union that's doing so much for for our veterans for uh the homeland hero salute 
program. And I know for Phil, swim with a mission, a uh, recent commitment of uh, what a three-year commitment for swim with a mission as well. And yep. so uh, the union stepped up again. Yeah. As our top sponsor is $75,000 a year, which is well, and, uh, fabulous. So, great. Some great sponsors supporting our, our, our uh, Homeland Salute program and our veterans. And, and just wanted to now kind of pivot to, some of your highlights of your uh, Red Sox career and and uh, all the great things you're doing today in, in, in business and the community. Well, in my career, I had one good game. So uh, <laughs> you had many good games. <laughs> one I could remember. No, uh, <clears throat> boy, I tell you, uh, coming from New York, you know, when I signed, now my family I had four brothers, two sisters, parents were from, uh, from Italy. They knew nothing about baseball and they wanted me to, they were Yankee fans and wanted me to sign with the Yankees. Well, the Yankees, the Yankees had signed three or four or five guys. The Mets were just uh, just created and they were looking for players, but they went the, another direction. And then the Boston scouts scouted me my whole high school career and the leagues that I played in, you know, outside of high school, they were just great. So they invited us up to Boston. I worked out supposedly for three days, but uh, the third day they called me and my mother and father and my brother up to the office and offered us a contract with the Red Sox. And I, you know, uh, I, it was, the, it was the greatest thing. I mean, <laughs> you know, when I saw that wall, I said, wait a minute with this, you know, from the runway, cause I couldn't see the field, but when you go up to the walkway to go to the seats, <clears throat> you saw the wall and I says, Whoa, is there a field here? I mean, the wall looked so close. I didn't think there was any field. And when I walked up there, I said, oh, boy, that's nice. It was perfect for me. Wow. I said, this is great. <laughs> you know, and yeah, I, and I they helped me out with my batting and all that. And I, you know, got to learn how to hit hit it off the wall, sometimes over. But uh, it was just a great place to play. Great fans. And yeah, yeah. Uh, we loved it. The expectations are high, as I mentioned earlier, but that gets you up. You know, you can't, you're not going to go into a game and say, oh, gee, I don't feel good today. I think I'll try to take it easy. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Right. A ball goes through you or, you know, well, you should have caught, uh, you, you'll hear, you'll hear the fans. <laughs> so, you know, I, I look at it. It's a real blessing. And of course we stayed here. My four sons were born here. My wife's from Seattle, and now my grandchildren are in the area, Nashua and Merrimack. And uh, I tell you, I really, I really have been fortunate. My dream came true of playing, and uh, yeah, it, it was just great. Well, it's awesome to uh, a few years back uh, before COVID, I, I was out at Fenway and, and, and seeing your, uh, your star there right at Fenway. <laughs> to yeah. uh it was, was just uh impressive uh hitting be becoming a, a red sox hall of famer and and uh and i know now you're continuing to uh just give back in, in your community and if you could talk a little bit about some of the the great things that you know you're you're doing on that you care about and you're doing to give back today well, you know, I've, I've gone to speak at a number of uh, vet, veteran groups. Uh, uh, 
and also uh, participated in fundraising golf tournaments, uh, DAV. Uh, we've gone there uh, three or four, five years in a row now. Wow. Yeah. That's fast. And uh, uh, I mentioned my friend in uh, Wayne Soares uh, down towards uh, Falmouth and uh, been involved with him in a number of appearances, fundraisers. He's got a big golf tournament we put together. Uh, it's gonna, this is going to be in his third year now. And it's raised some good money for uh, uh, for veterans in that area. And uh, now it's expanding Uh and uh, you know, making more money and able to give to other veteran organizations, and uh, it's, it's been great. Uh, but I like, you know, uh, I like to do more of one-on-one because I like mm-hmm. to talk to the talk to the vets, uh, disabled vets, and as you probably know, I uh, I'm a uh, supporter of General Don Bulduck, and uh, you know, he's a veteran. He's a, to me a great hero. And so uh, I, I like to talk to him one on one. You know, we talk about everything. Uh, and the guys, uh, <clears throat> uh, you know, I have uh, I've been uh, what's the word for uh, my faith? And yeah, you're 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 involved in Mike with uh, you know um, fellowship of Christian athletes yeah, and yeah, various yeah. ministries and. Uh, I don't, I don't push myself on anybody, you know, any of the guys, but I, I would mention it to them. And then if they want to hear more, I'd certainly, you know, talk to them. But I think that's our spiritual uh, uh, life is important as well. But the, the men and women are, are just tremendous. And you, you try to, you know, you want to encourage them. And uh, we know, you know, how to, well, you don't know exactly, but, you know, you could see how difficult, difficult it is for them. And so uh, I, I really love to talk one-on-one. I got that chance uh, in Charlestown, home base, uh, General Hammond, uh, to one one veteran who had one arm, one leg, and he was lifting some weights with the one arm. And I says, oh, my God. <laughs> it's, a, it's just fabulous. Uh, you know, he had terrific attitude and uh, – you know, but you still know inside he's hurting. So I, I want to be able to do that and uh, spend my time, uh, you know, with veterans one-on-one. But I'll do other things too, you know. So I try to help with the fundraising because I used to be with the Jimmy Fund yeah. for three years and everything was fundraising, you know, golf tournaments and all kinds of dinners. So we learned to put those things together. And so I try to help out in that way. Well, that's a, that's why we're so proud to to have you, Phil, and I with the on Homeland Heroes salute. I mean, just uh, Rico, your your impressive yeah. story and, and life and everything that you're doing to to continue to give back uh, to our veterans, to our community, to our state, to New England. Uh, we we just can't even thank you enough for being with us. Well, it's it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. And uh, both uh, you and uh, Phil uh, have done a great job. And uh, uh, we know you're going to continue it. And it's like I I feel I said I, I want to do this till I can't do it anymore till I'm too old. <laughs> you know, if I get to 100, 105 years old, I still want to do it. 
<laughs> I hope I hope you will though, right, Rico? Because you get it. Like, this is important, and yeah. it's good for you to keep spreading the message. The message I will. you have is very important, and thank you for that. I will. It's an honor to be on with you guys. Thank you. What, what a privilege. That's Rico Petroselli, Red Sox legend, Army Reserve veteran, and uh, and, and great New England community leader. Thank you. Thank you so much, Rico, for joining uh, Phil and I on the Homeland Heroes Salute. Honored to have you, my friend. Thanks very much. This podcast is a co-production brought to you by the Homeland Heroes Foundation, an organization dedicated to the reacclimation support of active duty service members, veterans, and their families in their time of need. And Dairy Cam who believes a better world starts with a connected community. To learn more, visit homelandheroesfoundation.org and derrycam.org. Follow the Homeland Heroes Salute on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you for listening, and make sure you subscribe to the Homeland Heroes Salute wherever you listen to podcasts. The views expressed by our guests and others are solely their own. Views expressed in this podcast do not represent any of the uniformed services, the Homeland Heroes Foundation, Dairy Cam, Swim with a Mission, Harbor Care, Veterans First, or any other organization.